Welcome everybody to podcast number 93. Um, it would have been 94 if uh, a certain East Coaster would come join us, but he's avoiding us like the like the plague. Like COVID, actually. Yeah. Cool <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, we got a great show for you guys today. Um, pretty special guest. Uh, we'll do our opening banter here. Um, we have Adam Weber back with us. Mm-hmm. Hey I was going to come up with all these nicknames, but uh, I was late to the show and didn't come up with anything, so <laughs> you can blame it on me. <laughs> Always do. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> it's Braxton's dad. That's what I got for you. <laughs> it's true. Uh, how's it How's it going, Adam? <laughs> no, everything's good. Man, just uh, good, good to see you know the band back together for you know one night only. <laughs> uh, we make terrible music. You mean horrible? You mean until you mean until next month, right? Maybe yeah. I don't know. Where, where is DB? Oh, he's on vacation. Shocking. <laughs> <laughs> like like we said, he's always a, he's our part timer. He's he's not really a full timer. <laughs> no, no, everything's good. It's uh, it's still still you know a lot of fun either watching or listening. To, to the podcast and obviously all the, the, the great guests that you guys have had on. And it's, uh, yeah, no, it's just really nice to be back and be, you know, kind of involved in the sport again. It's, uh, I haven't thrown a ball since August, so it's, uh, well, it's been tough. Do, do you see our, our team jersey there and behind uh, Carrie? Oh, yes. Yes. What is it? What are, what's our name again? The Dream Crushers. <laughs> That's right. Okay. <laughs> you right, came right. up with it. <laughs> It's been it was, it's been so long. Oh, I, I'm aware. Have you have you heard of sarcasm? <laughs> <laughs> Not familiar. <laughs> um, there's a good question for you, Adam. I know you were you were right with us from the beginning. Did you ever think we we're going to get the 93 almost weekly episodes? Uh, honestly, I didn't think we'd get to three. Three because nobody would listen and we'd murder each other somewhere along the way. <laughs> well, me and Tim were uh, kind of going after each other for quite a while there. So we were, yeah. That, yeah that's, that's consistent with everybody else. <laughs> True story. Yeah. So <laughs> we can just blame your absence on Tim. And then uh, now our <laughs> audience knows. <laughs> there <you go. laughs> I, I, actually so, honestly it was the last time adam bowled too so i mean realistically i made the guy retire yeah <laughs> carrie's been trying for years <laughs> uh, and that video will never see the light of day so it worked out for everybody still <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so obviously you can become a patron at patreon.com slash five pin universe for as little as two dollars a month. You can help support us. And it's in Canadian funds now, since Adam Weber kept bitching about it. I made the switch. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> um yeah, and you can help support us bring this weekly podcast or bi-weekly podcast or whatever it turns into in the future. We're creeping up on one hundred, so Whatever suggestions our uh, our fans have, maybe we'll implement some of them into the the one hundredth podcast. Sound cool? Wow, hundred! Wow, yikes! Yeah. <laughs> All right. So our uh, sponsor of the week again is All Star Bowling Sales, and we will be giving away another prize 
Yeah, and I just want to say, like, we we saw a Facebook post from Brett Hendrickson today, and I'm assuming that that bowling ball is from All-Star Bowling Sales. So kudos to All-Star Bowling Sales. Please support them. That's fantastic. Yeah, for sure. So we'll run their commercial for this week, and then we'll bring in our special guest. All right, our special guest of the week is Mr. Steve Parker from Ontario. Hey, guys. Hey, Steve. Welcome aboard, buddy. Thanks. Thanks. Looking forward to it. Yeah, we're excited to have you on. There's been lots of like really good chat about having you on this week, so um, lots of people excited to see you. So really looking forward to this. Um, Steve, to be a little more specific, where exactly do you reside in Ontario? Oshawa. Oshawa. I've actually, um, actually moved about a year and a half ago, and I'm about, uh, if I make all the lights, about two and a half minute drive from Nebs. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah. so, so do you so call Tom, Nebs your home? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think Neb, Neb's like, Neb's feels the same way about you. I mean, we had, we heard some pretty neat stories about everybody that's been involved in building the community that's there and, uh, and what they've done to commemorate those people. And you have your name on one of those gears in there, if I remember correctly, right? Yes. Yeah, we do. And, um, actually they put, um, I can, I can post a picture of it, but Tom actually surprised us one time and they've got Barker family over one of the booths. So it's kind of a tribute to uh, myself and my wife and my daughter. So it's kind of, you know, just every time I see that, it's like, and of course my wife is every time someone's sitting in there, she goes, Hey, that's our booth. Get out of there. (laughs) (laughs) No, it was something we definitely didn't expect. And it's, um, it's, it's always been for such a big center. That's the one thing when we moved there, um, Tom and Maria and Jeff and Santo and Emily and the whole Christy, Matt, the whole family. It's it's still a family atmosphere for such a huge place. Yeah, I think that's so critical in our game, really. If you want to like, you know, keep keep your your bowlers happy. I mean, that that's the best part of the game. It's just you know that family feeling coming in, knowing everybody, and just being friendly with everyone. So uh, I'm really glad that they've been able to maintain that, and not only just in in the center and all relationships around the country really they communicate with everybody all the time yeah yeah i know when i worked there tom was always on the phone people asking him for <laughs> advice yeah. and help and whatever right and it's i mean bowling everybody needs each other especially now so yeah absolutely I, and i hate to segue to that topic but it's the dreaded topic that we've always got to talk about um how are you and your family doing through this covid time um it's 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 a little scary um and ontario's kind of they're predicting a lot of doctors not saying we're well into the third wave and with the variants and stuff and icus are getting busier um i work in a grocery store which is a little dicey to begin with you know we're, we're we try to be as safe as we can um but my my wife had a kidney transplant two years ago, and so like it's scary. Um, yeah, she's on anti-rejection medication, so um, the the virus in that is a very bad combination. So that's something uh, you know we try and be as safe as we can, but um, the faster the faster she can get a vaccine, and the rest of us the better. We'll feel a little better anyway. 
Yeah. Does she sure. get uh, Does she get earlier access because she's immunocompromised? I think from what we've been trying to figure out, I think she's in the next batch of awesome. priority. I know they did healthcare workers and um, um, service people, like frontline people and um, people over 75. My parents have both had their first shot now. So um, hopefully, hopefully soon. Um, yeah, because it's, uh, yeah. If I bring it home, the numbers aren't good. Let's just, yeah, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. You know. And for uh, some people that uh, maybe have uh, been around bowling for 25 plus years and have made the conversation, um, she used to be Kathy Hong. So she was married to Al Hong from, c505 very prominent in our sport before before me so she's um she's been in bowling all her life too she's former um singles champ at the open here in the open nationals masters nationals and then when she was with al um she traveled to all the all the o5 nationals and or c5 nationals and stuff so yeah some right. people may not have made that combination but that's who she is <laughs> yeah okay. For sure. So, so your family's very ingrained in five pin bowling throughout Ontario and obviously Canada. That's uh, pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty pretty good. And our, our daughter is twenty three now. She came up through the YBC. Um, she's gone through bowling school. She coaches. She helps with the kids. She's both the open a couple times herself. Um, she helps out with the bowling school. She helps out with the YBC. So, yeah, definitely. Definitely. We are, I mean, we enjoy it. It's the, it's the people, people that bring you back. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously. Um, the, let, let's be fair. We get frustrated with the sport so much. It has to be the people that brings us back or else the sport would have been long gone. Yeah, especially <laughs> the way you've played the last couple of years, Carrie. Yeah. <laughs> um, the last so, couple of years? Well, <laughs> <laughs> maybe from an amateur side maybe yeah. a bit. Uh, <laughs> so steve let, let's start right from the beginning what got you into bowling so my my parents both bowled um not competitively or anything my mom i think at one time bowled twice a week my dad um, went back and forth between five pin and ten pin um they had a he like a third of the population back then worked at General Motors and their office had a bowling league on Thursdays after work and it's still going today at Nebs. But um, yeah, I guess um, I was a rambunctious little lad and they wanted to get up and get me out of the house. So about four or five years old, um, I started at Motor City, which was um, owned by the England family. Um, Tom's dad, Bruce, Jeff's grandfather. Um, Motor City was such a cool place. It was uh, downtown Oshawa, three floors, 40 lanes. So 16 on the main floor, 16 upstairs, 8 in the basement. They also owned Oshawa Lanes at the time, 24 lanes in the Oshawa Center. Um, yeah, so I bowled, um, us little gaffers bowled in the basement at Motor City. Um, of Harding, Bert Harding, Wendy Harding, um, who's still with Bull Canada. Okay. Um, they, they, they did a lot for the YBC back then, and they gave me my start. Yeah, so that's how I started out. Um, played... I think three years in tights as a little, um, I think I was pretty good. I had a bunch of crust, like my old shirt has a lot of crests on it. I don't remember what I averaged or anything. And then I didn't bowl any of Bantam um, because I decided, I think 
that I had friends playing hockey and I wanted to play hockey. And hockey was Saturday mornings when YBC was. So I played like house league hockey for a few years and then I advanced to select hockey and they played more. I think our practices were like Sundays and then we played during the week. So it allowed me, I went back to, to bowling again, first year junior. Well, so, yeah. Um, those crests sure bring me back. Yeah. <laughs> so like, yeah. how many, how many parents actually sewed those on or was it like the, like just the glue? Or yeah, like the, the, the heat like pressed on or whatever. Yeah. yeah. No, mom sewed every single one on. For yeah. sure. And then yeah. you have to move them around every year sometimes too, right? You had to well, move the four steps good. ones into like specific spots and whatever. And then yeah, she would bitch about it the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that was a that was a Canada wide program, right? All those crests and yeah. 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 And then just um I'll probably Six years ago, they switched to the swag tag things, the plastic mm-hmm. things that you could keep on a ring or whatever. Kind of the same idea as the crest, but um, yeah. Did they a, have like a, a banner or something at one point, too? There's like stickers on a banner or something? I remember uh, that. We had we had banners that you put your high triple stickers yes. and stuff like that. Yeah. 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 At, the year, I, I that. The at the year end, I think, I think they had that, maybe. Mm-hmm. Instead of the certificate, I think. Yeah. Maybe. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a while. (laughs) (laughs) You're telling me. (laughs) Were you good at hockey? Um, How long did you stay in hockey for? um, I want to say probably six or seven years. Um, I played Park League. And then I had a buddy who was pretty good who ended up playing AAA, but Oshawa had so many teams back then for Park League or for House League. There was a Park League, which had, I don't know, 20, 30 teams, and then two different church leagues. And then we had a AAA team, which was really good. A lot of guys that played at my age ended up playing EOHL, whatever. And then there was um, like a select league, they called it Little NHL, where they broke Oshawa into like four quads. And basically had four teams that was kind of a above park league and kind of a feeder team for, so I played that for a couple of years. Um, I kind of learned about the politics of hockey <laughs> and um, <laughs> what happens when um, some of the kids on the team are uh, the sons of the coaches. Cause my buddy um, at the time, he was like, yeah, come play with us, come play with us, whatever. So I went and tried out and thought it was, thought I was doing okay and whatever. The last exhibition game before cuts, I played on the line with him. He was center. I was, I think I played left wing. Like I had a goal and two assists or a goal and three assists. Like our line had 10 points or something. And then, so I figured, oh, that was awesome. I'll play with him all year. And and then my dad got a phone call that night and it's like, what? Didn't you watch the game? Serious? And and uh, I got yeah. I got cut. They said my skating wasn't strong enough. And back then I was much smaller. I actually <laughs> any any baseball or hockey pictures when I was a little weak. Like I was the smallest kid on the team up until I was like seven years old, which people now can't believe. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so so I went to school the next day, and one of the guys that played on the AAA team that I was buddies with, um, I said, "Yeah, I got cut." He goes, "He got cut." And then I guess he told his dad, and his dad knew the coach of the team that we beat in the exhibition game. And then I got a call that night to go play with them. 
So mm-hmm. I went and played with them and had fun, got along with everybody great and whatever. And then at the end of the year, the following year, I had to go back to the other team because that's where I lived. And so I played uh-huh. with them, but a couple of the other guys that actually didn't mind had moved on, and it was like okay. so I played that year, and it and then didn't didn't enjoy it as much. And then um, another friend of mine who um, played in church league goes, "Oh, come play with us." And it was it was okay, but it was kind of a, a step. Not that I was great, but it was a too far of a step down. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, fair and, enough. You know, went from a because. Um, we played the Little Night Show. Hey, John Willock. <laughs> um, you know, when I played Little Night Show, there was we it was, it was hitting and it was like, um, you know, um, change on the fly. And then when I back church league, it was uh, three minutes and the buzzer goes and everybody skates off and yeah. Then yeah. I didn't enjoy it, so it, I stuck stuck with bowling after that and, ba- and <laughs> baseball during the summer. Right. Yeah. So. So what was your highlight in your youth career? My youth career? Well, I, it's funny because I never really, when I played juniors, I was okay. Like I was probably one of those, probably second to highest average around 200. And then um, I, I don't even remember if I was that passionate about it, but the one day I was goofing around, it might've been after four, after bowling or after four steps practice. And I was like throwing a hook, throwing a backup, whatever. And then Bert Harding, who one of the renowned coaches at well in in our region, and they were heavily involved in the YBC. He was watching me, and he was like, "What are you doing, Parker?" I'm like, "What?" He was well, you know, are you are you practicing? Are you just screwing around or what? And I'm like, oh, "Whatever, I'm just throwing balls." And he's like. I'm like, why? He goes, well, if you can hit the head pin throwing from, you know, throwing all these different shots, like, why don't you stick with something? And I kind of didn't really, I kind of blew him off, you know, cocky 12-year-old or 13-year-old, whatever I was. And then he's like, he just kind of, let me know if you ever want to be good. Right. well, I'm not bad right now, right? He goes, and he just kind of shook his head and goes, no, you, you can do that. You can be, you can be a lot better. You know, let me know if you want to work at it. I'm like, all right. So, um, so this was near the end of the season. So I would meet him two or three times a week, and um, <laughs> you know, and he he was like that backup ball you threw when you're goofing around. Throw that, and then he goes set of stand at the back. Let's see if he can take three steps or move up to the next set of dots. I'm like, okay, okay. And whatever he tried kind of worked, and he was like, so he taught me, um, you know, where to stand, shoot the arrows, whatever. And you know, and like anything, I saw results, so I wanted to try harder, right? You know, you find out when you're coaching if kids don't, if kids or adults don't see results, like in three shots, you're like, oh, this is not going to work. But yep. yeah, so he, um, we worked hard at it. Um, he also wouldn't take any crap. Like if I, like ah, uh, like if I get pissed off because I picked the head pin or whatever, he goes, "Well, you don't want to pick. Hit it on the side. You know, leave a corner. You throw throw it better. You know, you threw that one flat. Like okay. So I started paying much more attention, right? And so the the, the I think I bowled a summer league that year, and I was like two fifteen or something. Um, 
next year I moved up to seniors and I was 233. And then the year after that, it was like 248. And then after that, it was you know, 250s, 260s. Right. So, like, um, but without, you know, without him inspiring me or at least saying something, I may have just, you know, I may have <laughs> said, nah, I, I'll just stick to baseball or I'll just stick to whatever else and, and screw bowling. And, you know, so that's why when I, when I see kids that have talent, it's hard to, you know, it's hard to not try and try and get it out of them. Right. Right. Cause, cause look what I, look what I would have missed out on. Yeah. You know, exactly. I'm, I'm wondering if everybody kind of has that, that moment where you're like, somebody interjects or becomes a part of your, your growth and you're just like, Oh yes, this is exactly what I want to do. This is, um, how about you guys? Any, you guys have one of those moments that it decided that you're going to become competitive in five pin bowling? Um, I mean, you know, I, I think this goes back to Tom and we've talked a lot about, about a lot about Tom, but, um, you know, our second year of our second year of YBC, um, we made provincials, uh, and we ended up coming in third. And I knew at that point, now this was without Tom, we had a, a wonderful lady named Jan Shell coaching us. Um, she was just the absolute sweetest human being. Um, but yeah, we came in third. And I think at that point we decided that, Hey, you know what, if we came in third in our second year, we still have another year left of this or a bantam. So, um, I think that we have an opportunity to come back and win. And then I think the timing was really good. Tom, Tom was around and he was, he was hard, uh, but he was very, very good. He was very structured. He taught us lots. And um, yeah, uh, like Steve said, there was, there was not a lot of screwing around. He was, it was, uh, it was very structured, but um, he taught us how to win. So I think a combination of those two things, I think just the timing was really, really good for us. Right. And Tim, you're kind of along the same lines with that. Um, Yeah. I'm super competitive already as it is. Um, so, and I actually was somewhat naturally talented and I was in shape, uh, with everything I did because we were, <laughs> no, but, but I, I was good at soccer. I was good at everything I was doing at that point. Um, so I, I, I knew I was able to grasp it, but right place, right time. Right. And, and I think, um, yeah, it, it, lucky to have the right people. Like I always said that, right, Tom, or we moved up, we had Jim and then, then we had Cisco. We had Michael Cousier. We always had the right people, right? So, and and you know, and it, we're fortunate enough that uh, it's a great point that Steve brought up. Was um, he got that like he when we talked on the side with his Eureka moment, right? Um, and now he knows that's what it made him or got him his passion or or made him the bowler he is. So now he's trying to relay that on to the people that he is, right? And it's funny you only need that one moment to make it to make that change. Right. So. <laughs> right. And you, Adam, did you have one of those moments where you decided that you were going to become competitive or did it just naturally happen? You know what? I, I don't know if there was any like specific moment, um, but uh, I, I did make like a big transition from an average, probably like second year of seniors uh, where you, you know, you jump from 210, 215 to like 250. And the only thing I can think of around that time is uh, I was really involved watching like the Colin Kears of the world, the Joe Woods of the world, 
um, basically the the whole Wednesday you know Masters in Calgary, uh, which were definitely you know some of the best players you know in in, in the province, and uh, I, I I think. You know, then actually, you know, at that point, I started working at Chinook and probably got a, a bit of a different side of the game. And then you're seeing these guys every night. And then you start really wanting to get better and better to try to, you know, emulate some of those guys. So right. I don't know if there was a specific moment. It was probably like a, a group of people. Yeah, I, I think mine is kind of along the same lines, too, where... um whatever year in senior it was where my average started making jumps. And then I was asked to join, I know it's little town Wetaskiwin, but we had some pretty good shooters, um, got asked to play in the scratch league and was drafted and then joined, I think the Monday jackpot league. So I played 10 games every Monday evening and it just instantly started exponentially growing and you started playing better and stuff like that. So I think it was just a, a product of the environment was mm-hmm. kind of mine. Should we should we change our Thursday night league to ten games and carry? Is that what you need? <laughs> <laughs> he, he he needs a little bit more than that, I think. Ju- 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 eleven, eleven, it is. Julie's more hey, clutch than he is. Yeah, <laughs> I was out averaging Tim Wiseman. So let's just you move you on. were you were until I put my pre bowl in. But anyways. Um, <laughs> Moving on. I mean, uh, let's move on to the Open and Masters. Um, uh, Steve Steve actually has quite the resume when it comes to that. 25 Open Qualified Provincials. Um, That's that's a hell of a resume. And uh, when we were speaking a little bit earlier, Steve mentioned that his first chance to play in the Open, he actually broke his hand. So you can – I believe you can bowl it, right? So, So, yeah, that was (laughs) – oh, man. (laughs) So, <laughs> so, like, one of the things, too, back then, like, when the CBC was on, um, Wendy, Wendy Harding used to go to work it, so, and Bert would always go, and so we'd go to watch the CBC, and so, like, you get to watch people, and that's when Bert got Tom Patterson to sign my, sign his book for me, and all that, and then, um, so I was, all, like, I was already hooked, like, we would watch masters tournaments and even if i was working i'd watch from behind the machines because i worked at motor city and just watch people's follow through watch how the ball hit the pins right and back then it was free fall and it was so cool and then the one time after the cbc we actually the mini open and um april lanes so used to be a mini open where they'd invite open teams and of course we had 24 zones back then so i'm not i forget the the split but going to see that the one year it was like oh man that is like seeing like watching individual competition at a high level is cool but watching like the intensity of team play is just something you know it's just something beyond that right so my last few years of YBC I'm like oh I can't wait to blow the open can't wait to blow the open (laughs) like and and actually when open teams used to practice on Sunday nights upstairs at Motor City, I used to go to watch and almost hope that somebody wouldn't show. And if the teams were playing with each other, I could fill in, right? <laughs> so, so it got to be like that. So, yeah, my. <laughs> so, we, the week before open qualifying that I'd waited forever for, I was actually driving. Um, some of my younger friends to senior mixed tournament on the Saturday. So a bunch of them stayed over at my place 
I was uh, chaperoning the, the boys on the team, even though I was like only one year older than them. Senior mix was like um, every zone had a five game. It was a YBC senior tournament. Um, every zone had a back then had a five game roll off top three guys, top three girls made the team. Actually, we'd won it the year before the team I was on with Bob Lyons, Tina Chason, um, Laurie McQueen, now Laurie Wilson and Doug Penny. So, but, so we were actually plastic pins bowling in my basement. Um, <laughs> we had those pins you'd get up and I actually brought a prop to, my wife was laughing when I brought them up. So we, we used to play around with it. I thought the, the best way to get the plastic pins to work because that little, you know, the, the little plastic pins here, these guys, <laughs> the, the original nice. set I got, we just put hockey tape on. Um, later I would, um, I worked at a plate making rubber, rubber printing plates. So I actually put rubber strips on these. Pins. I think Mike Rowe has the original set that went to hotels and everything throughout it. And we found the best ball to use was the old worth baseballs you took the cover off <laughs> okay it's so the cool. softball so that's what we and we used to we used to do it all like, like it was it was stupid but we were we used to copy people's styles and we used to play for money too i actually had like um pin spot dimensions made up for whether we were on concrete or like hard carpet <laughs> or something. Like, wow. That's what we, so anyway, um, yeah, I probably had a few beers as I was chaperoning YBC kids the next morning, but um, I, we were bowling plastic pins for money in my basement and I picked a head pin to lose what was probably like 10 bucks back then. And I'm sure I didn't mean to hit it, but there's a concrete pillar in my basement, and yeah, oh, I hit it. No. And so after waiting like four years for a chance to play the open or to try and qualify anyway, yeah. Now the dumb part was, um, if I didn't completely break it then, um, there was a mishap in the bathroom upstairs that wasn't me. Someone clogged the toilet, so I had to go the toilet, and I didn't want to stand in the washroom so not thinking i was probably like 220 230 pounds back then i stood on the side of the tub figuring that my right arm the shower <laughs> could hold me well i punched <laughs> with my left hand because i couldn't hold anything in my right hand and yeah and i fell on it again so, yeah. so just and and not to be, i'm sure my wife just loves these stories um <laughs> But the even dumber part was, I'm like, yeah, we don't really have time to get it checked out because we have to go to Kitchener tomorrow, which was like an hour, 45-minute drive. So, yeah, we went away for the weekend. And on the way back, and, of course, my hands just get bigger, 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 bigger. So I didn't end up getting it checked out until the Monday because on the way back, we always – on the way back, the Oshawa Generals always played on Sunday nights, and we always went. So me and uh, Steve Young, who was on that team – who did a lot of traveling with me and uh, he's a better storyteller than me. But um, yeah, so we went to the generals game and then I got my hand checked out on the Monday. And of course the guy looks at the x-ray and he goes, when did you do this? I'm like Friday. And he goes, <laughs> yes, yes, Bob. Yes, Bob. <laughs> Thanks, Bob. So, yeah, so 
the orthopedic guy looked at it. He goes, yeah, it's not good to leave it. I'll meet you in the cast room. And yeah, so they had to re-break it and stuff. So, and at that time I bowled Monday night on, on actually on Bert Harding's team in industrial league and had to actually, rather than go home, I'm like, yeah, I gotta go. Bowl. I gotta at least make an appearance. Cause by now everybody's heard of my stupidity. And yeah, I walked into the bowling center with my tail between my legs and my, my hand, but <laughs> Yeah, so I missed that year. I made it the next year, um, which was good. And the the best part was playing the mini open the next year because it's something I look forward to. And there was three three really cool three. It was funny. Um, so the first we're playing Hamilton, and I'm the rookie, and I'm playing Jim Mystic, and I'm bone anchor. The leadoff matches Dale Strutt and Mike Bates, two Hall of Famers, oh. two great, great players. Yeah. Um, Dale, someone I kind of looked up, looked up to do and just how he, like, he was so accurate, so good. He could do anything with the ball. Um, very intense. Um, pulled, you know, part of getting better was bowling sweeps and bowling against him and stuff like that when I was younger. But anyway, he's playing. He's playing Mike Bates, and they've got a good match. Dale's on a bunch, but the sixth or seventh frame, Dale throws a strike, turns around, and goes, "End of story." I'm like, "Did he really say that?" <laughs> so, anyway, Dale, of course, I think picked eight ten, and Bates came back to beat him. So I remember that. Um, I remember that. I we we lost totals, but I remember I was playing Jim Mystic, someone who I always looked up to, a really good player from Hamilton, and then moved to Niagara. And I remember striking it in the tenth frame to tie him. I think it was on like two forty eight, but I remember that. And then the other part, there was drinking at the mini open. I didn't because uh, <laughs> I was a rookie and I didn't want to do anything dumber, Bob Lacoste. But um, <laughs> John Inglis was on our team, who is. Um, I'm sure lots of people could tell lots of stories. I could tell lots of stories about him, but he was quite a character and he liked to drink as well. Um, so I think he was bowling third or fourth. He starts on four in a row. And one of our, one of our regulars couldn't make it. So Gary Monroe, um, who I bowled with on Monday nights, pretty good bowler, great guy. He's no longer with us. Um, he was filling in for us. So get the fifth frame, we're on like lane 21, 22 at April lanes. And like, where's English? You know, where is he? So we can't find him. Like, yeah. So our coach, Bud Child, she goes, well, Gary, you're going in. Like, All right. So Gary goes into the game in the fifth frame. Sixth frame comes along, seventh frame, no English. He goes back <laughs> in the eighth frame, two fifths in. He's got two bears with him. And I guess he'd gone up to the bar after the fourth frame of the seventh or you know, comes back and the first thing he says is he like smacks smacks Gary on the shoulder. He goes, "Hey, you fucked up my game." <laughs> <laughs> so that was my yeah, that was my introduction to John English. But yeah, the rookie year was um, um, yeah, it was good. Um, the Open back then, I'm sure you've heard people from Ontario say mm -hmm. 20, 24 zones. So um, you know, I'm sure with men's and ladies be bowling, and it'd be loud and busy enough. But then when the crossover was coming, when the mixed teams were coming in too, to like it was just the atmosphere was. It's it's a shame it 
and kind of went downhill because it is um it was a cool place you know and i spent a long time there um people there were great um that's where we had the bowling school for a long time and everything but yeah so um my first few years at the open i i probably had too much fun (laughs) um it was kind of like i I only had like two weeks of vacation back then and the open was kind of most of one of the weeks and I never went with the attention of not, not wanting to do well. But then yeah. um, over the first few years, a couple things kind of happened that woke me up. Like the one time um, Bob way, who was on our team, he goes, Oh, you guys, you guys were, uh, you know, what time did you get in this morning or whatever? And I'm like, um, yeah, I don't know whatever and he goes he goes you wouldn't do that the night before qualifying though would you you know and i'm like no (laughs) you know he kind of made without lecturing or whatever made the point right i tried so hard to qualify but then when i got there you know so that kind of valid point yeah and then um i knew um and another key thing was the one year we were in the finals the final four, because back then there was four groups of six teams, top team advance, and it was a double round robin. Three games Friday night, three games Saturday. Um, total points of those six games wins, right? And the one, the one get the one year, we're playing the team from Windsor, and then Hamilton is playing Tri County. So and three three teams have a shot, whatever. So our game against. Windsor, we're losing. We have to win like eight or something. We're losing. I know I'd left a corner against Gary Fair in the tenth. So he be he won my he won their match and they won total. So it actually came down to Al Hardeman and Jim Federenko. So Jim Federenko's a two time Ontario champion, good guy. I was playing anchor for Hamilton and it came down to Fed fed through the first strike in the 10th and then missed on the second ball. If he hits, if he goes through the hole, Hamilton wins. If he hits something, Windsor wins. And the other part of it was Al was really good friends with Jim and we used to have, there used to be like a team tournament circuit and they used to play on the same team all the time together. So Jim, really good guy, cool customer. He kind of turns around and he goes, well, what's this shot worth everybody? (laughs) You know, but he yeah. he threw it in the wood and they won. And then um, you know how the Oilers teams that always played the Islander dynasty, the time they mm-hmm. that story where they walked past the dressing room and saw, you know, the Islanders were all with ice packs and you know, bandages and all that and kinda well that's what it takes to win, right? Um when Windsor won, just the reaction, everybody, everybody was in tears, the family's hugging, you know, because they come close so many times. And I'm like, holy crap, you know, like this is, that's proof, that's what it means to people to win. I better get my, <laughs> yeah, my group together, right? right. So the next, so there were, I want to say at least four years in a row, I was on the men's team and we made it to the finals and didn't win. Always a game within, whether, we played the one, the one year we played one team that was out of it and they cleaned our clocks cause they were just betting for beer on the side and whatever. <laughs> and the other, and so I, and all those over the, that time, I'm like, man, if I one, if I throw one monster there or one, like I, you know, it, it ate me up. 
but we came that close so many times, didn't win. The next year I made the mixed team. We made the finals and our men's team won. Oh, wow. I was on the mixed team. We got down last game, finished second or third, and our men's team won. And I felt great for them. Um, mm-hmm. Greg Pedrais had just come to Arizona. He was he was on the team. Dave Slapinell, a good friend of mine. Um, Ross McNichol, who um, played with whatever. Um, he's just went in our Hall of Fame. So it was static for them, but like it was like, oh. So then the next year, I was like, I'm not met. I think I won the zone the next year because I was like so determined. And then we we won. And the same four guys were on that team, including John Inglis and Greg and Dave and Ross. But uh, yeah, so the next year we won. And like, that's where Greg Pederitis was a big help to me because he was like, we got in the finals. And he could tell that I was uptight, right? And he's like, nothing's changed. Like, you're <laughs> you're good enough. Why? Why all all of a sudden now you're, you know, but when you kind of got a monkey on your back, right? Yeah, yeah. Just so. a different mindset, right? I mean, yeah. he, his experience brought you through a little bit, right? So yeah, yeah, because he was still joking and laughing and all the stuff he was doing throughout the whole event, right? So right, yeah. So that was a big, big kind of learning thing, and and from that point on, I played. Um, it was funny because um, I always enjoyed team play better. Like in those tournament circuits, I always generally played well. Our teams played well. Um, and that was the other time. The year we won, one of the teams in the finals was um, the team from Thousand Lakes. And four or five of those guys used to drive 45 minutes to play our Thursday league. So like Ian McLean, Doug Stewart, um, I think Paul Brown, um, Kevin McGill. Um, guys that I played <laughs> team tournaments with, you know, and all of a sudden you're playing for a shot. And you, you guys know what that's like, right? It's, you know, you know, you know, both teams want to win. You just, you just gotta, you just gotta give it, give it your all and, you know, have a mm-hmm. beer afterwards and say, good job. <laughs> yep. So, um, Steve, I, I actually went on your Facebook and I creeped you out a little bit and that's I know okay. cause you, because <laughs> you because you have a lot of uh, knowledge you put on facebook uh back mm-hmm. in i think 2013 you put the 23 years of your open teammates um which i thought was really cool because n- none of us uh have probably done that in our past figure out who our teammates are i know desher's been terrible about it um <laughs> Not he, a clue. uh but i mean like just quickly looking at some of the players that i quickly name off i know that uh dave slappendale john greenlee's on the here today uh, Ian McLean, I know Pederitis, uh, John Inglis, uh, Mike Herbert, Jeff Stevenson, sorry, Jeff Stevens, two-time master singles. I know uh, uh, Steve Greensides is on here as well. Mm-hmm. Jeff England, uh, we have the list here. You know, Mike Wood, uh, Dale Strutz, a bunch of really great players on there. Which which one do you think is the, the one you enjoyed playing the most? And it doesn't have to be because of friendship, just – Maybe just because of the experience. Oh playing man! With oh man! <laughs> yeah, I have updated that. It's funny because I, I started doing it, never really made a big deal of it. I kind of did it for my own, and then somebody else saw it, and they're like, "Wow, that's that's cool. You should post that." I'm like, "Well, mm-hmm. you know." But it's uh, just look at the list. It's so, you know, it just brings back, uh, you know. And I've added a couple years since then, but it's. Um, you learn some, learn from so many people. Like Mike Wood, I only bowled with him once. It's 
Greg and Mike. Um, yeah. But man, he is such a good guy to play with. He's, you know, he's so intense. It's funny. He people on the anchor, and I think he only lost one one game the whole week playing an anchor. And it would just be like he would he couldn't look at the board. He would just be, "What do I need?" And I'm like, "Okay, if he, you know, if he, if he throws a double, you got a match, whatever." And whatever I said, he would do it. You know, it's unreal. Um, Ernie Tataran's on there. He played. Um, I bowled some team tournaments with him. He was a really good master player in Ontario. We used to actually, after our Thursday league at Nebs, we used to go down to the the convertible lanes at the front end where it's ten pin and set up the one the one seven ten mm-hmm. with the ten pins because you could you could pick your formation and we used to play best ball doing that like because oh. throwing the five pin ball at ten pins if you hit it on the side you could get all three. So it's just a different hmm. way to practice. Um, hmm. Ian McLean, I, I got to, after playing against him at the Open, got to play with him so many times. Um, you Great know, guy. people on there, I got to bowl, bowl with my wife. So, um, my wife's coached me too. I got to, um, she made the seniors singles step ladder <laughs> at the Open a couple years ago, and I coached her, and it was cool. Um, yeah, it's just I, I, so I, many. I love. I left her name off to see if that was a test for you there, Steve. So, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, you know, like um, John, John Honeyford's been a huge yeah. influence, right? He's bowling historian. He used to, used to be really, really good. He's just had a hip replacement. Hopefully you can come back one because uh, there's no one more passionate. Um, anytime I'm going to go practice, if he comes out with me, he's just so, so smart technically um steve greensides as you mentioned just one of the he, st- he stopped going competitively at a young age but just so talented and so smart um jeff stevens just a little quirky he's like a natural he'll say he'll say the, the strangest things but good guy to have on a team and he's just sticks right yep, sticks. sticks the stick man yep yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is your goal so. to like name everybody on this list so you don't need to <laughs> No, it's just like it's just uh you know, you don't want to leave anybody out, but they they've all, you know, every everybody on there in, in any yeah. any capacities made a yeah. made a difference. But but I think that's a ta- Oh, well. Oh, well, that's the <laughs> Am I back? Yeah, yeah you're back. I think that's a testament to the community, right? I mean, yeah. that that to me is always the greatest thing about the game is just the friendships you make and whatnot, and the fact that you're sitting here listing off every name and like the impacts they've had on you really exemplifies what bowling is for us. I think. Yeah. yeah. Cra- crazy. No, Tom England. I know Tom's played, and you ever played with Tom, but you played with Jeff, right? So. I, yeah, I actually coached. I didn't make it the year that they both I would have loved to played with them but I got lucky enough to coach them Tom um, if if he if he if he'd taken it more seriously he still bowls once a week he used to bowl twice a week um, the industrial league I used to bowl on Monday nights when I was um, just at a YBC I'm sure um, we probably flip-flopped high average a few years I'm sure his name's on there like 20 times now yeah. Um, yeah. So who you can be unbiased here? Who's the better England, Tom or Jeff? Skill wise, in Ooh. their prime, in their prime, because both both are past it, right? So <laughs> <laughs> that's they're really close. <laughs> Jeff Jeff's games actually changed a bit. It was 
<laughs> uncanny when I hadn't seen him bowl for a long time. <laughs> when I hadn't seen a bowl for a long time and saw him, he was almost a mix between his uncle Santo mm. and Tom and his dad. Okay. So like his mom's brother Santo and and it was like uncanny. But um yeah, it's it's hard to tell. Like and I don't know why like I'm not sure why Tom never bowled more seriously. I heard his story. I don't know if it's true. They used to have like a winter prize tournament. There used to be all kinds of like tournaments they used to have a three six nine at midnight every other week and all that. And I heard a story once it's Tom won something and somebody made a comment about take stealing his customers' money or something and no, I I don't know if that's but knowing Tom, it's like Tom's just so laid back and you know, but seeing him play man. the open for the first time, it it was cool. It was cool coaching him and Jeff, yeah. Steve, yeah. uh the the Englands gave us our their personal that they wouldn't get butt hurt, they wouldn't kick you out of the center. <laughs> you can name which one <laughs> <laughs> Switzerland. <laughs> we we see you side say Santo. <laughs> oh, Santo. <laughs> Good choice. <laughs> Don't worry, Dash and I can give a message tomorrow morning. I know that for sure. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not like a, um, I'm not sure if I worked there still when I coached them, but um, having having to having to yank your boss out of the lineup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, so, uh, segueing into that, uh, coaching obviously has been become a big part of your your bowling career and stuff like that. Um, so, you want to walk us through some of your your provincial wins for for coaching in the YBC side of it? Um, yeah. Um, coaching was. Um, I started when I was both seniors. I used to go down the basement water sitting coach the tykes a little bit until I started um, going to more tournaments myself and doing other, other things. And Saturdays got too busy to do that. But um, when we moved to um, new market, we were there for five or six years, Gordon McLeod, who, who unfortunately passed away. Great, great guy. Um, Diane McLeod's husband. Um, we helped, Kathy was the program director at their YBC, and that's kind of when I got really back into it. Um, had a lot of great kids, lots of other great coaches there. Um, and Kathy Davidson there at the time, too. Um, but, yeah, so I started coaching teams then, and it was funny. I always, I was hesitant to get my level two now competition because I never wanted that kind of backup for the open like a couple times i made it it was because of because it was out of sheer desperation and i kind of was like you know i've made it quite a few years now i don't want to jinx myself and get my level two to but then but then when it came to the youth challenge and stuff it became there were kids not that it just wasn't a huge um list of coaches and not that i thought i could do better than the coaches i had but i want to i wanted to give them options right and um so that's kind of how i i got into you challenge teams in that um so i coached um some ybc teams at selling and when we came back to and part of the reason we got into it too is my daughter was old enough that she started bowling when she was at seller and then when we moved back to oshawa 
um, we picked up at Neb's. It was funny because it took a while before I ever was on coach a team that won. And, you know, and it's kind of when you have talented teams and that don't, you know, that don't play as well, you kind of question what you could have done, what you could have done. But yeah, so, um, so the first, um, actually ended up being on coaching team four years in a row that went to nationals, but that was kind of, that's all we, we had a ton of kids at NABS, right? And so a ton of kids to choose from. So kind of a lot of talent there. The first year was was cool because it was kind of a team I wasn't really expecting. It was a senior boys team. And they just pulled well and clicked. And the Nationals that year were at NABS. And a couple of them, oh, we don't get to go. Yeah, if you don't get to travel, though, the next best thing is <laughs> being at home where all your family and that can, can come and watch you. But um yeah, so it's just been fortunate to have lots of lots of great kids and lots of great parents. Um, like the one the one youth challenge team I had that we won the provincials and got to go to the Ontario Winter Games. Um, we won silver at the Ontario Winter Games, but like we had a really young team, we had no expectations, and they just got to they bowled really well and got together. Like my. Um, Nicholas Humphrey was bowling anchor at 13 years old at the Youth Challenge Provincials. And it was pretty cool. Um, but again, it, it comes down to kids and parents and everybody kind of being on the same page. Um, Youth, Youth Challenge girls team I had a few years ago, it was a good team, a really good team, but um, Two of the girls were 18, I think one was 17, one was 13, one was 14. But they got along really well. So we, we won the provincials and got to go to the Winter Games. And when it came to rooming arrangements, you know, it's like, okay, you guys, you guys have two rooms to choose from. Or they they got two rooms and had to split up. And I'm like, okay, you guys, do you want me to dictate? Because, like, I didn't... You know, didn't think the 17 and two 18 year olds would want to stay with the 13 to 14 year old, but I didn't want 13 14 year olds to stay together. And um, the one girl, um, Mary Grace, who now is playing um, softball on a scholarship down in North Carolina, she was like, "We'll we'll figure it out. We'll look after it." I'm like, okay. Um, and that's where I think um, having people that play other sports competitively helps too. You get. Um, especially team sports. So we got we got to uh, the Winter Games in Aurelia, and we're staying at Fern Resort, which is an expensive old place, like just a classic old, you know, that should be in movies or whatever. And I'm like, okay, did you guys figure out what you're going to do? Because I was worried, like, parents, because they couldn't stay there, so the rooming arrangements. And what they decided was they were going to use one room for um, they're packing and everything, and then they were all going to sleep in the one room together. <laughs> and I'm like, how cool is that? Like for a, you know, you would have thought that, you know, the older girls wouldn't want anything to do with the younger girls or whatever, right? So just the the leadership they showed there, I, that was just an awe. And that year at the Winter Games, we we lost our first three games, but they never they stuck together, never paid up. And I ended up, I got a screenshot of. Uh, the standings after each game and we ended up winning seven in a row and then ended up winning in the finals. But it was like just leadership, but like three of the girls on that team, I think pitched, pitched fastball 
and yeah. you know and it just the the competitive nature in that was there and just the, the leadership they showed so yeah it's um it's a, it's always a good experience you know um working with the kids and a lot of it is communication with um the parents and stuff and i think that's where those of us who have had success either bowling or have a reputation for having had a little bit of success coaching have it easy because the parents give you some slack but whether it's um i've coached my daughter a bit in, in ball too but like you've got to lay out the ground rules before you before you start as far as the parents as to what their expectations are and that and then hopefully they let you let you do their job right totally I think I think that's a good idea, uh, Weber. What, what do you What do you think, Weber? The next open team that we all make together, we're gonna put all six guys in one room together. You guys do it at every cash tournament. <laughs> no, <laughs> not anymore. Not, not since we're a little less poor than we used to be. No, no, no. We, we just get the room beside you to make it loud and obnoxious for you. It happens. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I think that's a really good point, Steve. And honestly, you, you're right. That leadership is huge. But the, having them decide to all stay in the same room together is huge for building chemistry for that team. That's that's fantastic. And and playing fastball is one sport that truly, really translates well into bowling. That's for sure. We know a few people that have played fastball and then switched into bowling as well. And, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's uh, really interesting. Well, but, if you – Go ahead, I was going to say, if you can if you can – get along and get rid of the the hierarchy on a team or whatever and like go in with everybody kind of being of the same value i think that makes a huge difference especially at especially at a kid's age right and it's funny and and especially with the especially with the youth they pick up on their parents so easily like whether the parents that get you know, really excited and that all that does is, you know, that makes the that makes the bowlers that much more nervous, right? It mm-hmm. drives me nuts when parents are yelling like two, three frames in a tournament, relax up there, slow down. Like <laughs> it's the worst. You know, you've had like 10, 15 minutes of practice and you sat for ten, you know, ten minutes of announcements. Like let let them get their feet wet. Let them relax. Yeah. You know, it's funny because all, all my parents say, how are you so calm? I'm like, well, I'm not. I just have to be, <laughs> you know, inside. You're, you're running out every shot they throw and, you know, the numbers are going through your head on the, the mm-hmm. you know, you, but I, I wish all parents could realize how much um, their, their kids pick up on, on their emotions. And if they're, if they're going squirrely and they're all excited, you know, they, you can't expect the kids to be calm. Yeah, it's tough, right? I mean, like, well, I mean, it's no different. I mean, but uh, Adam might be a good person because Adam, people don't realize Adam took a bunch of kids to nationals back in the day um, for YBC. So Adam, parent interaction is the hardest thing for YBC, I do believe. Um, Besides, I mean, I think that's the hardest thing. Uh, Coaching the kids is one thing, but parent interaction is the toughest. Um, Adam, do you have any anything to add into that? Well, realistically parents are probably one of the biggest reasons why we lose so many coaches because of that exact reason and um 
I was really fortunate. Uh, I took four teams to YBC Nationals, you know, just basically out of YBC. And uh, we, we had, for the most part, a, a pretty like, core group of parents that, that were really all on board. And uh, I, I, like Steve said, I, I had a bit of a, a backing in, the, in the, the game already. So I think I had a little bit of extra leeway with, uh, with those parents. And we were succeeding. Right, so once success is there, basically parents are fully on board. But if, if you know your if your kids are struggling, the parent will be the first person to come down and basically talk to you, or they'll start yelling at their kid. And like Steve said, like the the kids pick up on absolutely everything. And uh, I, I know even with with my son in the soccer world, I'm sure he picks up on basically everything I say. Uh, because quite frankly, I, I, I'm cheering them on, but I'm, I'm sure it's not the right tone all the time, right? So, um, yeah, I, I feel really bad for a lot of coaches that are out there that have had to deal with really bad parents and or, or, or bad parents over you know a few years in a row because they'll, they'll probably walk away or they'll find a way to walk away from the game. And that's another thing that, that we need. We need competent coaches uh, to, to go with these kids. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a really good point. I, that's like that's a really good PSA to throw out there is that, you know, all these people are doing their best. They're out there to support your kids. They're doing it out of the goodness of their hearts. Um, no one's perfect and everyone has different opinions. So um, cut them, cut some, cut them some slack. You know, I, I, I do like I do like tone and body language. I think that's a really good key point there. Right. Uh, kids feed off that a huge amount, even adults. Right. Well, even when you're coaching, like a kid turns around after a bad shot, they don't want you. They don't want to see you throwing your hands in the air or whatever. You know, you got to kind of, especially when you know the four other players sitting beside you are looking at you, you know, seeing how you react too. You know, and and even the other thing I've noticed is one parent might say something to their own kid, but it affects the other kids too, right? Like. Um, I had that talk with one of our one of our fathers whose who daughter was probably the, was the best player on our team last year, and she had a bad game or whatever. Like she's like really like one sixty three or whatever, and I'm like that's a bad game for her, but it's not like that's a terrible game for her. But you know, <laughs> the, the other kid just shot one thirty eight. How do you think that? How do you think that makes them feel? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I used to get that on on the ball diamond all the time. Someone would yell at their kid for making an error or whatever, and I'm like, okay, we've got, you know, this is house league. We got kids out here who haven't made a play all year, you know, or they'll yell at their kid for oh, how can you strike out looking or whatever, you know. But you know, you got the other kids that they hear that too, and you know, and if they already don't feel good about, you know, and that's the other thing you try and. Like you gotta gotta get rid of the fear of failure. Yeah, you know that can be the biggest. You know, if you're gonna go down, go down swinging. Like go down trying. Don't be afraid to mess up. You know, we all mess up, and that's kind of you know. Uh, I think that's a le- lesson I learned too, in in baseball and in right. You know, you, you make an error, you boot one, you, you got to flush it, and move on to the next one. Yeah, exactly. Like. Um... You, you always learn from your mistakes, right? So if you're not trying and you don't have that mess up, how are you going to learn? And I, I think that's a huge um, a tool that 
kids and and let's face it a lot of adults um they need they need those uh those failures as well to learn and get better at what they're what they're doing if it's bowling or any yeah. other thing in life right like stuff happens i i throw two gutter balls at the open i've thrown two pins but never a gutter ball yeah <laughs> that's coming now thanks yeah. <laughs> as long as i get back there <laughs> yeah no that's a great point you guys made there and, and i mean um obviously kids and adults are a lot different um we just we um but uh adults are a little bit tougher because we we bench we, we talk about adults we talk more or less about the open and and polling and the bench right um yeah. so i guess steve how, how how do you deal with that when you're the coach in the open how do you deal with the the differences with that so I, I'm a little different because I actually love playing the bench, especially as I got older and like the grind of a whole bunch of games got um, harder on my body. It's like playing the bench. I'm kind of a cheerleader, or whatever. And like, if you go in, it's a, <laughs> it's a fun challenge, right? So you have to get that first. Get that mindset out that it's a, it's a demotion or whatever. Because it's, it's really important. Um, you know. Um, I've, when I've coached men's teams, I've, I think men's teams are probably the easiest as far as coaching in the bench because there's usually less of a difference in, in the level of the players you're dealing with. So I know the, the one men's team I coached, um, Michael Clare started calling me Captain Hook, but it's like, I'm not going to let, it's not that I don't have faith that you can come back, but to watch you struggle when we've got someone just as good behind you, like it doesn't make sense. Plus, um, especially uh, mixed teams can be harder because sometimes if you've got someone who's uh, 20 or 30 pins lower in average than another person, it's like, how bad does this person have to be struggling to put this person in or, you know, it's, it's tough, you know, but sometimes you have to, you have to make the move for, because you, you can't afford to, to lose the person that wants to come in and you can't afford to, you know, I find, I find coaches wait way too long to make moves sometimes, especially if, um, or they make the mistake if two guys are struggling to, to wait to see if one gets worse. And like, you, you can't, you got to make a move right away. Cause uh, if nothing else, it's a kick in the ass to the other person that knows that they're now staying in the game. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I plus, totally agree. Plus, um, you know, when I'm coaching, you pretty much have gone through every scenario in your head about who can, but you also know when the last, when the person on the bench is like, it's really easy to watch. Oh, how come he hasn't made a move yet? Okay. Cause that person <laughs> hasn't thrown a ball in, you know, an, an hour and a half. And when they did, they, and they don't know who you're playing next and whatever. When I coached, um, I coached the late the last time we had an open. I coached our ladies team, and um, it it was difficult. And the one girl, and I I think communication is key too. Like you got to tell someone, explain why you made a move. So if they don't like it, at least they know, and they can't go and bitch to everybody I else. I don't know why I got pulled or whatever. <laughs> but um, the one game, the one. The one girl was upset the one game that I pulled her and not 
Linda McLean. So I had um, on our team, we had we had a good team. Um, we had Linda McLean playing fourth and Christina Carey, formerly Herbert, playing fifth. In any other year or any other bullish center, we could have flip-flopped them. And actually going in, because um, there was at least one personality on that team that kind of not everybody got along with all the time. So we had, uh, as part of going in and trying to get rid of the little hierarchy that they thought, I, I had told them, and it was my intention too, depending on how things work out, that be prepared to play anywhere in the lineup. You know, because, but it was funny because, like, the one girl, Jen Murray, Jen Barry, um, she, I put her and tried to give her confidence to play leadoff or to play positions that she never really wanted to because she really improved. And she was like, Oh, I'm not sure I could do that. I'm like, Well, you play on Thursdays and you're playing against, you know, Dave Slapendell and Brad Rowland and Jeff England and Nathan Cooper and, um, you're playing against them every week. Why should you be afraid of who you're going to play at the Open? So anyway, this game with Linda, I, I left her in. She was struggling, but we kind of switched sides of the bowling center, and now she was starting to jump corners all the time. She throws a hook. And her, whoever she was playing was on a big run. Anyway, we had, we had totals well on hand. So I made the change with the one girl. I know she was upset, and I explained it after. But... I had to leave Linda in the game because our next game was against Hamilton, which was our biggest game coming up to play. We were ahead of them. We were second. Central was first. Hamilton was third. And Hamilton had a really deep team anyway and had Connie Ward and Elizabeth Nickel playing 4-5. So it was more, I had to get Linda. We had to figure something out for the next game because if I don't start her or I put somewhere else in the lineup and then somebody else has to play Connie, you know, it changes the whole, you know, the whole perception of the lineup, the whole psychology of it, right? So, um, yeah, it, en- it ended up working out because we ended up um, beating Hamilton that game. And then um, in, the fi- in the finals, we ended up coming second. We beat Hamilton in the, in the 2-3 game and then lost to Central. Um, Central's young girls played really well, and then Stacy Clark had like 330, and most of all, had 320 or whatever. So we came second. But you know, it's one of those things. I hope, I hope Bailey understood what it wasn't a shot against her. I was looking at the big picture, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so you get in, you get into things that uh, you get into decisions that are tough. But I know the poll is the most talked about, and you know. For, for the armchair quarterbacks in the crowd. <laughs> how come, how come <laughs> they're still going? But, like, so much more goes into it than just what's happening that game. Like, you got to know how everybody's been playing, when the person on the bench last threw a ball. Like, you, you don't know. Maybe they haven't played three games. There's, there's sure. a lot of luck with that poll, too. <laughs> yeah. Right? There's a lot of luck. You, you know yeah. what? On it, I think as a coach, um, I've always said it. Um, you had to be confident with it. If if you show confidence in your poll, I I think most times the team will believe in it, right? And if you're humming yeah. hawing between players and you make the late poll, it's going to be tough. Um, and and it now, can happen so fast too. It does, yeah. And uh, but now I've always the teams that I've always seen win does it, it never matters. Like it, it, you always say, yeah, it could be anywhere on the you can bowl anywhere on the lineup and. It, it becomes true because the, any player can, right? Um, 
that team really exemplifies that. Um, but yeah, it's crazy. I don't, I don't know. Like, but I still believe that on certain teams, certain bowlers always have certain spots already kind of prerequisite, I guess. Right. You know, like, like for example, like you think about Adam, Adam's always going to be near the bottom, right? You think about Dex a lot of the time. Dexter's always going to probably be. I would bury Adam in two every time. Be, but, 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 but be, be near the top. But it's funny though, because we speak about that. Um, in 2017 when we won, I think Adam only played one game as anchor provincials and nationals, right? And we lost that game, and we did. We kind of harped on about it, uh, <laughs> right? But it it it, it, pro- it proves a point, right? Nobody's really set in the right spot in the lineup, and sometimes it's just the flow, right? So, right, Tim, you're right. Adam, that one time playing out of the 50 times he was there, <laughs> that that really shows that. <laughs> Adam is an anchor player and always, always you know was. You're, he, you're gonna have an off year. He's no. He said he he was gonna retire after we won gold that year, <laughs> and then he didn't retire. And then and then uh, he bowled in August. And in then I, fairness, I, Tim, I made yeah. him, then I made him retire again, and he I came was back on podcast. Supposed to retire during <laughs> during the open qualifying of that season. Oh, yeah, after I threw that perfect, I was supposed to take my shoes off because yeah. I was never supposed to do it. Yeah, right? yeah. But I got a real good question for you, Steve. It, it, it kind of go, goes with kind of similar to what what uh, Tim was going through there. Uh, how, how do you manage egos, uh, especially of like a, a high quality type of a team? Say a Masters team, you have you know us four knuckleheads and say I don't know Lynn Anseth. How, how do you how, how do you how do you deal with that that type of mentality of five very I don't know. What do you want to call it? Uh, A-type males? Okay. Um, my first question would be, do you want to win? Always. Yeah. Okay. Then if if everybody wants to win, like that's why that's why you're there, right? That's why that's kind of like my – when people ask me how we're – I like playing in the lineup. <laughs> it's always kind of dependent on <laughs> – <laughs> so for our listeners uh lenny just put never put me behind adam for fuck's sake <laughs> might be uh due to adam's time on the lanes maybe <laughs> sorry go ahead Steve. no i was just gonna say like it, get to a point that at that level like if you want to if you want to win you got to be able to do do what it what it takes right because you get to that point the master's team's like an all-star team or you know normal your normal league team they're all probably playing anchor you know you've got to you've got to find a role like on you know i always looked at it you know where do you want to play like where do you need me where do yeah. you need me like on mixed teams i often ended up on on the bottom or in whatever on a men's team like i said i love playing the bench i just want to win like you get there enough times like I, other than when I really really suck, then I kind of have an idea what what my own stats are or whatever. <laughs> but like like the the years you win and the years you're put, you're you're in the hunt, like you, sh- you shouldn't even know what you're averaging or whatever, right? You're you're just there because you want to you want to win, and you play with the same guys enough times. Like you know, look at my list and whether it's Slappendell or Ian McLean or Ganim or Greenlee or whoever, like. We've played with those 
you play with enough people enough times at some point in time people are going to struggle people are going to you've got nothing to prove to each other you just you know go with whoever's going right you, you just want to win <laughs> yeah so you're i think you're uh am i gone can you hear me at least <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, you're absolutely right. I, th- I think you got to put the ego aside. Uh, I, I, I look great there. You got to put the ego aside for the team. Um, and it, yeah, you're right. It doesn't matter where you play, and if you're playing poorly, you know, just be positive for your team and whatnot too. And if somebody else is playing poorly, don't beat up on them. They're trying. You know, they they want to do well too. So um, yeah, there's it, not it's, the worst. Just... And nobody wants to suck. And when <laughs> You suck. You you know you suck. You don't need anybody to tell you. Exactly. Well, I mean, honestly, we told we tell each other all the time. All the, the time. In the <laughs> open, we get pulled. We get, we get pulled. It's like, well, yeah, you suck, man. Like, but uh, okay, I'll, I'll throw this one at you. Um, say we we play the open, um, and actually it's 2019, and we won. But uh, it's me, uh, Adam Dexter, and Bradley Tickat. Right. We we've, we've all have experience. We have two rookies. Curtis and Michael are, are good players, right? But do experience automatically get us set in the lineup, or does it matter that does it matter? Should should Ricky does that does that matter at all? To, for me, like, and I know some some zones, and I've heard them say like the sixth player in qualifying always is automatically on the bench. You're like, why not start with what you think is going to be your best team if you can, right? So it kind of depends on schedule right i always wanted to get a rookie into the lineup right away right if you've got two it's get their feet wet right but yeah like you're you know i know my first couple times we open it's like okay feet come on start like mm-hmm. you know the first couple of balls you're you know you're, I, you're so excited know. you're so wound up yeah i don't know if it's a common thing but i know edmonton's famous for it they bet mm-hmm. on their rookies for a shot so uh we do always <laughs> plays the first game. Yeah. We we yeah. Yeah. Happen so, universe does not condone illegal gambling. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. and, and so Edmonton gets all the rookies to play the first first uh, first game. They have to start. Um, and I, you know what? I'll I'll say it's not because of the gambling. I'll say it's because because hmm. we want to get their feet wet. It's it's always been a tradition, and I think it's completely the right thing to do because you you don't want to have a rookie sitting on the bench being nervous to get put in, right? Exactly. Um, and so, but we do gamble on them. So we do, yeah. we do pick what side they're going to miss. And nine times out of 10, we, we never pick a strike. Um, yeah. And we're not going to lie to you. Nine times out of 10, it's like a left three pin. And we're up there. It's like yeah. left three pin, left three pin, left three pin. Cause we have money on the line. And, and they're coming yeah. back. And it's like, seriously, you're, I was like, yeah, I just made 10 bucks off you. Well, but, but they know it too, because they're also gambling. They're also in on that. They just can't bet on themselves, but they can bet on all the other rookies. So they're in on it too. Don't worry. So yeah. No, so, I, yeah. yeah. I, I've always been a proponent. If you've got a rookie, get, get their, get them in right away you know they gotta start because yeah, i agree if it comes halfway through the game a sixth seventh frame if somebody's gone south do you want <laughs> is that the situation you want to put somebody in when they haven't thrown a ball in 45 minutes and but do, exactly. but do you do you have do you give the experienced bowler uh a more of a chance uh to get out of it than, than a rookie it's sometimes <laughs> it's hard not to now yeah. You know, you'll hear, oh, he's not going to pull so-and-so, he's not going to pull so-and-so. Yeah. But if someone's told you they're not confident playing, they want to be in the middle of the lineup, they don't feel confident playing fourth and fifth, and if they're not confident fourth and fifth for a whole game, 
how do you put them in in the seventh frame when totals are close and they haven't thrown a ball and they've been sitting for an hour? Like it's like you have to kind of, you know, you, you want to, there's so many, so many things that go into it, you know, and then, you know, if you pull somebody one game, you kind of want to get them back in and give them a shot the next game if you can't. Right. But it depends on the standings, depends on, you know, there's like, there's so many, so many scenarios. I mean, it's hard, you know, that's where the mixed team can really hard. Like, um, I haven't coached a mixed team, but again, if you've got, you know, if you've got someone, a 260 shooter on the bottom and they're struggling a little bit and the person on the bench is a 215 average, you know, it's like, no matter the what they do in the like sixth, seventh, eighth frame, if totals are close or whatever, who who do you want to, you know, you got to assume that the, the person's going to figure it out or you're going to help them figure it out, right? Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. It's it's yeah. tricky. It's definitely tricky. Oh, for sure. How, how long do you keep Tim in if he's grumpy? <laughs> <laughs> Tell you what. Ask, asking for a friend. Is the rest of the team bowling well because he's grumpy? No. He's yeah, grumpy. <laughs> if if you know Tim Grumpy, yeah, no. no. I'll, I'll I'll be I'll be honest with you. Uh, the one coach kept me in way too long, and I pulled myself. <laughs> Actually, there, there, there's a good one. Uh, how do you deal with people who want to pull themselves? Um, <laughs> you. <laughs> it, yeah. it, it it depends if if it's something you are almost considering anyway, and the downside isn't. But if it's somebody that you kind of think you need to stay in the game, then you kind of meet them at the back of the approach and you say, I don't care what you're feeling, you know, get your head. Get... Oh, wow, Casey. <laughs> Casey knows <Yeah>. very well. <laughs> Casey you know, makes you... Tim ride the bad line. <laughs> you got to suck it up, right? Sometimes. Yeah. Like, um, and again, even on, on your, on a team, like body language is huge. Like I pulled um, when I was coaching the ladies. Um, Christina can be a little demonstrative, and she threw it. She had a couple bad frames, and she was, you know, going for a little walk and smacking her legs after the first ball. And I'm like, okay, we're in good shape here. The rest of the girls are starting to get a little nervous. Like I need you to to get it together and and, and get in control and show some leadership, right? You know, like that conversation is yeah. really important, and I think I think you're right when you're saying that the, it depends on the situation. It, you're right; everything depends on the situation. But I mean, if but, you're in a position where you need that person to stay in, that conversation is really important. Pull them back. Be like, "Hey, this is why I'm not making this change. This is what I need from you. We we, we need we need you to succeed right now uh, with the rest of us." Whereas, you know, if somebody if, if you're not or you are considering that move already and that person is already saying, hey, just pull me and his attitude's already that crappy, then it then you're yeah, you might probably as well. better yeah. off. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Um, if you had a choice, if you had a, if both are bowling equally bad, uh, who would you rather pull, Tom or Jeff England? <laughs> 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 J- J- 
Jeff. I haven't known him as long as I've known Tom. Okay, so oh, finally. finally comes up with an You answer. officially got painted over on the gear. <laughs> uh, but, but I do want to bring up while we're talking about coaching. Um, back in 2016, uh, you were given the 05 Ernie Rogie Grassroots Coach of the Year. How did you feel when you received that award there? So that that was cool. That was cool. So um, FB nominated by your association, and um, the the other cool part about it was um, the semi annual meeting, and that that year was in Oshawa, which I attended because I was on the O five board. Plus, a couple people had hinted that I should really go, so I kind of suspected something might have been up. But <laughs> um, and then Dave Dave Post presented it to me. So and he's always been kind of. One of my mentors through um, coaching and through the bowling school and everything else. So, yeah, it was pretty cool. But I mean, you only win you only win stuff like that if if the people you're coaching perform right. So, right. a lot of a lot of good kids and great teams that that won stuff. So, that kind of puts your name out there. Well, y- yes and no. I mean, I I filled out those forms before, and you've probably seen them. Uh, you're you're only good at your bowlers are indicative to how good the coach is too, right? So, uh, you had to give yourself a little bit of credit there, Steve. I mean, you, double gold in Regina for YBC, 05, uh You challenged provincials in Ontario Winter Games champion. Um, 23 years as a pro or, or tournament uh, coordinator at 05 Bowling School competitive coach evaluate you put your time in man like uh we obviously this is a huge thank you for all your great work and so i think you need to give yourself a pat on the back right for sure yeah well it's it's again um you know if people didn't take that time with me whether coaches all the people i bowled with all the you know um proprietors whether the anglins tom jeff maria Christy and them and, and Gordon McLeod at Stellar, like, you know, when they, when you have an idea to do something or can we bring the kids out and they're like, yeah, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Right. So they're, they're investing in, in their future and in you. So like without them doing it too, you you don't have that chance. So, and like I said, it's, it's a family affair for us and, and we, we love it. Like I, I love it. I get more, especially now that I, I suck bowling. Um, I get more pleasure seeing, and it doesn't have to be winning tournaments or seeing kids win tournaments. You see someone who averages 85 throw 150 for the first time, stuff like that. You know, like <laughs> totally. it, it doesn't just have to be the elite level. It's seeing, um, you know, and that's why <laughs> sometimes I get choked up doing high scores, whether it's, that you know because to see the kids accomplish something and see how they feel about it you know it it uh it's it's nice mm-hmm. yeah um i know we kind of have a set out agenda but there's there's something i want to hit on with you steve is uh you're a big 10 pin fan are you not yes yeah so in fact we used to oh i was gonna say oh, we go used ahead. to going back to when it was on abc every day at three thirty. <laughs> um, when we bowled YBC back then, the, my last year YBC, we could bowl two different leagues. So we bowled Friday after school at Motor City and Saturday afternoon at Oshawa Lane. And then a few of us would rush back to watch 
Chris Schenkel and Bo Burton Jr. on ABC Wide Worlds of Sports. <laughs> so yeah, right. like I, yeah. So so me and you are probably the only ones on this podcast that have flow bowling accounts. Um, what what part of uh, what flow bowling and the PBA have been doing as of late? Do you think? Um, I guess our side as five pin bowlers, the WCBT or the club tour events or something like that. Is there anything you could see that maybe we could institute um, on our side of things? Um, I, I like the, I like the features and the interviews on, on flow too. It's not just the, like as well, I was watching the, the masters today, the USBC masters today. Um, uh, it's no, it's kind of like you're, on the on the right track and that's kind of seeing that and then seeing what you guys did that's kind of how we got into um with with john cresswell and i think kevin berg may have brought it up at one of our ad hoc meetings about streaming and just trying to like it's so easy to do now to get stuff out there right yeah for sure um who's your uh current favorite 10 pin bowler oh geez that's a that, that's a tough one. There's and you, so and you many... have to pick. No sidestepping this one. No <laughs> sidestepping this one. Um, it might... Oh, man. It might be Simonson. Just because I, I never know... You, plus, he's intense, and he can go off a little bit sometimes, which I can relate to. Yeah. And um, <laughs> But you never know what he, how he's going to throw. Like, like he is so versatile... You know, you'll think, oh man, everybody else is hooking, and he's going to hook it, and then he'll just throw right up, right up, you know, the second board or the, or the second arrow, right, with your thing. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. So, and yeah, but they, and there's so won. many; they're just so talented. Yeah, and he also won throwing a backup ball, which a lot yeah, of people don't which know. Is, which is and, and and even the highlights of him throwing a backup to make the two eight tens just crazy. Like yeah. it's just what 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 they what they. The average person has no idea what adjustments they can do and the stuff that they can do with the bowling ball. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He, he's a he's a two handed two, right? Yeah, because that's the only way that you. Yeah. I we bowled a ten pin spring league one time, and this is sorry, this is super off topic, but I bowled. Um, I averaged about one hundred and eighty. It was the only time I ever played ten pin, and I threw back up up the gut like I was bowling mm-hmm. five pin. And and that was with one handed and whatever, and I have no idea how I did it, but it absolutely destroyed my five pin for a year after. Because the only way you can do it is to kick your hips out to the side, so you made room for the ball to come through, and complete disaster. But uh, yeah, ba- backup's fun to play in ten pin. It's weird to see, but it's neat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. cool. We're we're I'm... pretty um we're pretty partial to uh, Mitch Hoope. And, uh, yeah. Nick, and Nick, and yeah. Nick, Nick, yeah, Nick, Nick, <laughs> yeah. I watched yeah. watch Nick for half a game today. He's actually he's, playing pretty decent. He might make the. He's looking to make the cut. Yeah, he he's done pretty well this year actually mm-hmm. with everything going on. Yeah, yeah. actually, he's, um, I'm not sure how he's doing. I think he's there, but like Zach Wilkins used to play five pin, and I think he bowled two handed when he played five pin. And his dad Rick was actually a really good five pin bowler too. He played the open several times. Hmm. That's cool. Interesting. All right. So sorry, sorry for that offshoot there. Uh, so we'll move on to our a kind of our maybe not our last topic, but you have uh, some 
pretty good ideas about rule changes or yeah. format changes. This is rid of Dexter's rulebook corner. Dexter's rulebook corner. <laughs> <laughs> so the first one is the the penalty for fouls. Um, I want to say like 15, 20 years ago, oh, I can't remember his last name. Brian, I think he was in Ottawa, had a five pin bowling website. And they had message boards where people would from all over the country would go in and chime. It was kind of before Facebook right. and, and I kind of threw it out there then and I just got lambasted and I'm like, well, I don't see why. I would love to see the penalty for fouls just be a lost ball, not to copy tampin, just to, um, a few reasons. Kids, if, if a seven year old kid shooting at corner pin worth two points and he averages 75 and trips and falls over the line, why should he lose a fifth of his average? On a shot that's worth two, Damn, you know, right. and then and then from from the optic standpoint, you know, we talked about ten pin, you know, picture someone throws throws a shot that should be a winner, you know, runs it out, yeah, yeah, you know, he's your winner, or someone misses and someone wins on the bench, it's like, you know, and all the excitement and everything, it's like, oh wait, 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 he could foul, you know, yeah. like. Come on, it drives me nuts. And actually, I saw it once at, uh, uh, at it was called Plantation then, but Bullerama West. Someone had a mm-hmm. match one in the Crispy Crunch tournament that Bullerama ran. Like, it was a good cash tournament. And the guy had the match one and thought, well, I'm not going to foul. So he tried to throw from like halfway the approach and he hit a smudge mark or something <laughs> and fell face first. Wow. And then. I couldn't tell. I was there. I couldn't tell if his hand went over the line or not, or touched. But his opponent said it did, and it caused a huge. I'm like, <laughs> he already, would... already won, and he and he was only shooting a corner. Like so, yeah. the, the only the only argument I've ever heard against it, if someone needs a mark in the tenth, or they've thrown. Thanks, Bob. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to think whether it was. Um, I think I know who it is, but I don't want to, in case I'm wrong. No worries. But the only argument I've ever heard is if you punch a, tenth, a head pin in the 10th, when you need a mark, you can foul on purpose. Or if you right, throw... And get a full pin deck. So, Dave Johnson just messaged he doesn't like it because you could do that on purpose. So, 10 pin, I believe, has a rule. <laughs> All you have to do... If it's deemed to be on purpose, you get an additional foul. Or if you could even in a match place or head pin or a, whatever, I don't want to get too complicated, but in a match player head to head scenario, the person has to has a the opponent has a chance to decline it. Except the that, foul or the result of the shot. That's the answer. Uh, that that I completely agree with. When Tim and I were talking about that earlier, um, we were, yeah, we were discussing it and you're right. The only, the only thing that I have against it is, is the, the chance of the additional foul. You know, you need, you need 27 points to win and you punch in your first ball and 10 and you step over to foul. So you still have a chance at 30. Um, that, that's the problem with it for sure. But if you have, if you have the option of declining the foul, like it's football, um, <laughs> flag on the field, pick it up, whatever. Um, yeah, that, that's the solution to that problem for sure. Yeah. 
I don't mind so that. So that's that's my and, and again from a competitive standpoint, just it the optics of it just looks, you know, looks. I think it looks amateurist, amateuristic. If you know, yeah. Wait, wait, wait. We can't we can't give you a trophy yet because someone could foul, even though the scores are already there. And having worked with kids a lot, and there's nothing more demoralizing than some kid losing 15 points for. We're going over, Sorry, right? You mentioned lost ball. What's the difference between lost ball and dead ball? So a lot a lost ball is a gunner. It counts as a zero. Okay. Uh, a dead ball is a rethrown ball. Okay, so it why just not doesn't just count call it a lost ball and have it as a zero rather than minus fifteen? Well, yeah, that, that's, right. that's exactly his argument. Yeah. So so exactly. e- even if you foul, it's still a zero. So what what is it? What does that matter? I, I don't understand the connection but, to a foul. But any pins throwing. you hit would be reset. So you but if count you foul, zero, it's an automatic it, zero, right? Right, but you still get to throw your second ball. Ah, I see. Okay. But a, a, so a lost ball, any change you started spare, with a right? reset. So I someone, see. I mean, I there's got to be some honor in it, too. Like, golf has things that you, the players should, and, you know, curling, if someone burns a stone, the other team will say, don't worry about it. Like, it's got to be a little bit of honor, too. Um, the other thing it could eliminate as well. It happened in our open qualifying with Jeff's live scoring. Someone really wanted to play on the mixed team and not be in the top six. And in the last ball of the last game, saw that they had more than they wanted and got a foul on purpose to put them on the mixed team instead of the I'm not even using genders because I don't want to signal anyone out. I mean, people around here will know who it was, but yeah. Right. So it eliminates that too. Yeah, I, like, I think it definitely makes sense. Um, like you said, for qualifying or um, certain events, but in most of the WCBT events, well, I guess I shouldn't say most. Half of them, the Regina and the TPC, you handshake in your match play once because you don't risk a foul. You just handshake because the match is over. But you technically, it's not over because you could foul a bunch, right? So uh, I think that's kind of the honor system. You're you're not going to foul, let's just shake, get the match over with. Um, But yeah, when you're adding scores and like that, you got to finish the matches and that that foul possibility could change a lot of things. Um, I I don't know. I, I I don't mind that change at all. Um. The kids thing is, is interesting for the yeah, kids. But uh, that's the, one the, that bugs me the most. The, totally. Seeing it, 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 like it could could there be like an age minimum that fouls would actually count towards a score or something along those lines? Yeah. To be to and be honest, you you can make it for you can probably change the rule for each event, right? You, well, you this is this yeah. is gonna this was gonna be my point before, and that the biggest struggle that you would have with making that rule change nationally is that. What are you going to do with the scoring systems? That's that's really the biggest problem is, you know, I mean, some of them, I'm sure, you know what, Cubica might be able to update that. Sure. Steltronic might be able to update that. But th- there's a lot of older systems out there that won't be able to. And that, that'll be that'll be the biggest hurdle to overcome. Outside of that, I don't have a problem with the rule change, me personally. But that, that would be the hurdle for sure. But all, all that can be manually corrected. Yes, because in the most in, in most circumstances, it would be a, a full rack. 
a full rack and a scoring change, right? Yeah, exactly. I guess a pro score, you just hit the reset button, put it on a halt, and go. But, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I, I understand, like you said, it, there could be some team fixing or stuff like that. Oh, or intentionally fouling. But, yeah, you, you drew or you draw the penalty or whatever you want to call it, and your opposing team or opposing player can either accept it or deny it. Yeah. I, I really like that portion of the rule. That That's the one that solidifies it for me, for sure. Yeah, hmm. that would be a, a little bit of a learning curve for the existing um, just purely 5-pin players. I don't, don't understand the foul rule from 10-pin and stuff like that, but... I, 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 don't, I, I, I don't mind it. And I actually think the, the rule must be the same in duck pin because I believe that Walt Brooks did that. Um, I believe Walt Brooks did it in one of the club touring events. He came up and punched a head pin and thought that he could use the duck pin rule and get a foul on purpose. Oh, no. And, <laughs> and I think Herbert had to... Uh, uh, Walt... Uh, and, <laughs> Walt's a great guy, but he can be a little ornery too at times. Yeah. So, uh, oh no, 15, Qu- so. quite a conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, I, that's a I, kick I, to the balls. <laughs> yeah. I know. I know. At Neds, we if our PUs get it, we usually do like two or three weeks grace for fouls in YBC. Yeah, and then if our PUs do it, it so we only take five off. But if they're gonna play the one of the family Tuesday events or one of the other events that, you know, fouls are going to count 15. You, at some point you have to get them used to, uh, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's going to, it's going to count more next time, but. That's good discussion. I like that. But um, yeah, well, thanks for bringing it up, Steve. Um, we do have one more topic we like to bring up. I did send a photo over. It was, uh, I know you guys got some pretty good play on it on, on there was uh, backyard bowling. <laughs> Look at That's that awesome. follow through. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> I love the ball return. And, and, <laughs> and I'm quite, and I'm quite sure that, uh, that I have a balancer in the left hand. <laughs> other photos. So, 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 so I believe this is one of the, um, this is the original setup. We're kind of losing Steve here. Sorry for the interruption. Hopefully his uh, hey, Dex, Wi-Fi kicks back. Dex, keep in mind you can always hold your finish in a still photo. <laughs> That's fair. Tim makes a living off of that. <laughs> yeah. I think we did lose Steve. Oh, no. Oh. He might be back. Oh, we got two Steves. Oh. Oh, jeez. <laughs> That's scary. There you go. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, John Honeyford, Neil McLean, I believe, had that set up the first time. And it's been, and that lane was, when I lived in Newmarket, it went there. It was, it's been all over. It's been, um, went to Connie Ward's house out near Niagara at one time. Um, and that was basically three eight-foot sheets of, wood that they would bracket to level out bracket together um eventually they got a real pin deck too from <laughs> joanne nadeau i think from her bowling center in alexandria 
Awesome. So, and they actually made a, they actually had diagrams for wherever they were. Cause, and this is at Ian McLean's house and his yard has a pretty big drop off. So as to what they would need for shims and everything. So eventually, um, one of the events we invited Tom and Maria and the downfall, the beauty of this is, is free fall and John Honeyford's got a, a gorgeous set of wooden pins that even if you hit it high and get aces, you don't care because the sound is just, it, the crack is just worth it. Oh. It's just, um, you had to climb in the pit to reset them. So um, Tom came the one time, Tom England, and I could see he's looking at it. Of course, yeah. And you could see the wheels turning or whatever. <laughs> and by that time, they were getting pretty chewed up and there was talk of having to replace whatever. Well, next thing we know, Tom's like, I, I want to show you something. So he had gone to the local lumberyard and placed a special order. He'd done all this research. He brought this wood in from um, – I'll, put, I'll, put, I'll post some pictures in the comments of the lane that he built if we don't have it. But he, um, he ordered this – I think it came from Eastern Europe. And he made all these pieces on his CNC machine. And he had all these pieces. And then one weekend, uh, myself, Brent Martin, uh, Perry Rockburn, Honeyford, uh, might have been Ian, went over and put it all together and stained it all up. And he's got their five, um, their five foot pieces, and he's got eight of them. And he's got these levelers on the side. And it's, it's crazy. It was crazy. And he built that. And then it was like, well, free fall is nice, but setting pins, especially if we have older people on a hot day, it sucks. <laughs> so he built, he built a string mechanism that sits over top of the deck. It's got pulleys and two people can pull the strings, lock them in to, to set it up. You just let them loose and then pull the strings back. Um, it's got a little hole where the ball return is. He used like real ball return stuff to make a ball return. Jeez. And like, it's just, <laughs> it's, I, I don't even, so we, it takes, um, if people like, um, Brent or the ones that have put it together a few times, if they're there, you can usually do it. If you've got a couple of helpers, we can put it together in about two hours. <laughs> and it takes, if you've got two, if you've got two drills, it takes like 10 minutes to disassemble. It's crazy how he made it smart. He made it. Um, so, yeah, the backyard bowling, if we have a bunch of people, we used to do um, doubles, draw teams for doubles and play scotch doubles, two balls per frame to keep it moving until the 10th, um, and then have a double knockout. Or I've got all these sheets made up for how many people we have, what format we're going to do, and then we just draw names and put them in. It's pretty – my profile picture is actually – the picture used in the poster was actually in Tom's backyard. He's got a portable PA system. And I was actually announcing the rules and the team for the backyard bowling. So that, that, pic, that picture of me that's that looks awesome. like I'm on a walkie talkie or a CB. Yeah. That's what that is. Oh man. Oh. That's I, amazing. I remember there, there was a similar setup at one of the nationals. I want to say it was in Hamilton. Then I'm going to say that was that was that was Ian and John's lane because I'm pretty sure they okay. took it there at the Holiday Inn or something in Burlington. Yeah, and, and it's I remember pretty, it's, throwing, it's been. 
I, I threw two balls and I was asked to not bowl anymore. Because I was sending <laughs> send, send pins, pins were... just flying. So you yeah. felt at home then? Yes. Yes. <laughs> it took about 42 minutes. <laughs> so I had to set up and everything. Right? When, when I lived in Newmarket, we had a big fence in the backyard. And we, for jokes, because they also had a set of duck pins, we set duck pins up. And somebody had to walk around the block because uh, Canem or somebody that throws hard sent sent one of the pins over the fence and onto Bayview <laughs> Avenue. We we had we had we set up cannel pins and uh, Adam was our pin boy for a day. Not true. We we had the kids doing it. We did have the kids <laughs> like, do it. It was brilliant. like I was going to get under there. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Got to do that again though. Absolutely, that was so much fun. Yeah. We just got to open up again, and then we'll go ahead and do that. Mm-hmm. So there is a little bit of a, I guess, while we were talking, there was a little update for Ontario. Apparently, all of Ontario went to gray. Yeah. Um, Steve, can you elaborate? What does gray mean for Ontario? Um, I didn't see that. I think gray means lockdown. I know I know the Premier was talking about it again because... Um, his, his fear was um, everybody getting together, everybody ignoring ignoring instructions and getting together over Easter weekend. and Yeah. As yeah. of Saturday. Saturday at 12.01 a.m. Yeah. So that, yeah, so that, yeah, that sucks if it, if it affects bowling. Yeah. Uh, and it's for Lockdown for days. all of April. Yeah. Someone just messaged me lockdown for all of April, which... That's yeah, that's like it's it's tough for all like all the businesses. Like I know Nebs just I think just got um the ability to get up to fifty people, and that was only because they allowed restaurants to go to fifty people. And so, like Maria was on the phone with the health department like right away. Like, okay, I pay for my food license and that. Does that mean like well, like, but. Yeah, I, I know it's 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 hard to it's hard to look at every business individually, but like for for huge places to have like the, the crappy little dollar store in the plaza where our where our store is can get like thirteen people in there and like how can you have more people in there than Nebs, which is like eight thousand times larger? It just Exactly it's frustrating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um yeah. I, it's same thing here in Alberta, right? We're we're in the same situation. Um, Robert just commented that will end the pro league. Yeah, essentially, um, since Northern Ontario is obviously part of that, our Thunder Bay and our Timmins teams will be lumped into that too, right? So we literally won't be able to start uh, the team pro league stuff for Five Pin University either. So, which really. Really, really hurts. Yeah, and I, I yeah. think for Alberta, I think uh, Premier Kenny's going to be on tomorrow, but they're they're not expecting a full lockdown in Alberta. But who who knows what they're? Yeah, well, I mean, he shows up, on. it's not good news. Yeah, exactly. There's no way that's going to be positive news going on for sure. Um, I, but I saw so many people making comments like, "Oh, they're going to roll back restrictions." Like, what are they going to do? They open step two and they open up libraries. 
Yeah. And, the, and then her numbers left. went through the roof. Stop reading people. <laughs> that is clearly the message we're okay. trying to send here. Okay, I don't get it. Hey, hey, have you noticed that case numbers seem to spike like three days before a long weekend, though? Okay, hey, have you noticed that? Like, well, they've been spiking like for a, a little while, but today but, was really bad. Yeah. But, but it's happened every long weekend. There's a big spike, and then... So, I don't know. Yeah. yeah well... Mom, mom, mom's getting her vaccine tomorrow. I said happy microchip day when I left today. <laughs> Conspiracy theory. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she told me to go pound sand nicely. So. Hey, I, I like the name. I, I like the name. I think you have to lose the lanes, though. Just call it the Dakota Lasers. Yeah. yeah. Dakota Lane Lasers. Way too much of a mouthful. Um, yeah. Well, Steve, um, we'll let you uh go you can stay in the back room if you want to talk with us after we're just gonna do our draw and wrap up this podcast we can't thank you enough um obviously one of the best guys to have on our podcast for sure being a part of um bowling for most of your most of your years and uh we we appreciate it so much oh no i i appreciate it i i watch and listen whenever i can i usually work (laughs) wednesday nights um so i often listen to the last half live and the first half afterwards, but um, <laughs> no, I, lo- I love everything you guys are doing, promoting the game, getting stuff on all the filming, all the, you know, it's, it's, it's what we need. Um, yeah, no, yes. no, I had fun. Appreciate right, it. Yeah. Always really appreciate appreciated. It. All right. We'll talk to you in thanks, a little bit, Steve. Okay. Thanks guys. Thanks, Steve. thanks buddy. Awesome. Uh, another great podcast. Kind of neat to hear, uh, Steve's stories about um, all those Ontario teams he was a part of and stuff like that. And I don't know what you, all you Alberta guys are saying. Ontario guys seem pretty good. I, I don't have a problem with them. Well, well why are you throwing us <laughs> under the bus? Well, while they're on camera. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you, you know what? You, you, you take the one guy away from Ontario, and that's MD. It's all, and that, it's all every, every, good. Everybody else yeah. is pretty good, right? So, yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> yeah I think I think it goes along hand in hand. But, uh, Steve's done a great job and uh, pretty instrumental in development and and being around the game a long time out there and uh, we want to thank him for all his hard work for a long time, right? So yeah, and he's always done a great job of promoting the game too. Like I said, I'm I'm pretty. He was the one that was doing the blogs and stuff in the past too, and um, really appreciate all of that as well. Um, it's those little things that really make a big difference in our game, especially right now. Right. Alrighty. So uh, sorry, we got. Sorry, I, I... I, I got two Go things I gotta say. <laughs> for sure. Okay. For first of all, free annoyed annoyed five pin guy, please. He like, oh, he, like stop. I don't he even know how he got banned unless Carrie did that. Hey, no, it was funny. He, he, he's, he's my boy. Induced seven seven oh one. He followed five pin universe. I'm not gonna lie to you. I saw that on my <laughs> notification. So, <laughs> and, and Tim, it, it's socially acceptable to wear a mask. Even on camera, you should really use it. <laughs> hey, you know what, Adam? It's it's always great to see you. I'll see you next month. Okay. <laughs> I had a blast, guys. Yeah. This, this banter ain't over. We're, we'll yeah, let that's this, right. Uh, we'll let this draw happen. So All Star Bowling Sales oh, yeah. is once again giving something away. So uh, okay, Dexter, to do. Give it. me a number in the chat. Give me a number between one and ten. The first number I see will then be the number of times I randomize this list. First, 
the the person on top after that many randomizers. Yeah, 330. No. Yeah. <laughs> person on top after I randomize the list that many times will win a prize. Four. Perfect. Thanks, Lenny. Of course you're the fastest one. <laughs> what, right. 67 was the next one. You got lucky. Oh, no. All right. Uh, let me share my screen <laughs> oh, here. I, I didn't get into this week's draw. It's nope. the only chance I get five pin universe merch. <laughs> you weren't one. I had All to right. buy it. Here's our list. <laughs> Jesus. Jeff, calm down. <laughs> I one. Don't... Two. You're just going to get pink eye next week. Three. For sure. <laughs> All right. And our winner for this week is. Oh, Gino Scoletta. Jason Scoletta. Nice. There we go. Congrats. Perfect. That's, perfect. That's good. He'll enjoy that. Yeah, so uh, Tim, who do we have coming on next week? Uh, next week, uh, Alyssa Rack. So we're excited to have Alyssa, Alyssa Rack on <laughs> next, next week. Um, we, have, we have her lined up, ready to go. Um, we got... <laughs> We got some you other. You got to work on your speaking. Like next yeah. week, do some ow now brown cows. Ow now brown okay, cows. I can't, I, can't, I can't. I can't mute you. So Alyssa rocks next now? week, and then we have some stones in the fire for the next couple weeks. Uh, I will let you know we have commitment from uh, Guillaume Charbonneau coming on. I uh, just have to find him a, a week to come on, and uh, E. Perella, Epco, uh, the the owner of Epco. And another gentleman is going to be interested coming on. So uh, we have some really good guests coming on the next couple of weeks. Um, also, that 100th episode, guys, please get your suggestions in. Um, we'll we'll see what we can do for it. We'll uh, we'll make a we'll make a show of it. Hopefully, I I have some signed merch I can give away. <laughs> yeah, you have to <laughs> give it away. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you sold any of that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we two, do. Two, <laughs> really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. To, to we, yourself? Oh, one to Sydney. Sydney no. definitely bought one. No. <laughs> just, just, he's just handing it to Amir. You know. <laughs> hey, just, from, just remember, Tim, you're supposed to be wearing my Chiefs jersey during that picture. Don't don't forget about that. <laughs> that, is, that, that is a true story, yes. <laughs> People don't know that, yeah. <laughs> Um, Adam, once again, we want to thank you for stepping in on DB's monthly vacation. Um, <laughs> you, uh, you obviously have been with the show right from the beginning, and we appreciate every time you can come on and obviously add your insight as one of the best players in the game as you are in the Hall of Fame under uh, 50. So congratulations. <laughs> no, thanks, Just th- barely. Thanks a lot, guys. No, I, I had an absolute blast as always. Perfect. It was all right, right seeing well, you. Yeah. You liar. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We'll talk to you guys later. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everybody. Thank